Welcome to For Whom the Cell Tolls. I'm your host, Keenan. I know it's been a while. I'm joined by Scout as usual, and then we adopted a big giant German Shepherd. He's nine and um, is super fun, and he herds Scout like a sheep, to say the least, but she's fine with him, so so that's been nice. Um, yeah, life gets busy, so I haven't been recording these, but I do have a big list of things that I've wanted to do, and that's what we're starting with today, which is the Netflix series, The One. This comes from a book, and the idea behind it is that using like a big 23andMe style database, we can find the genetic blueprints that most match you well with, you know, basically somebody else, and they can find like the one for you. So it's kind of fun to dive into this because it is sort of that Jurassic Park sci-fi that, at least in this case, isn't so much genetic engineering, but kind of the power of genetic sequencing, which is very much more available than, you know, de-extinction technologies, which we would struggle with even with contemporary species and like we're trying to do with woolly mammoths we're you know that's, that's a lot of challenges that a little too sci-fi for for even current tech but the ability to have tons of genetic sequences and say okay we can mathematically look at who is a good pair and what gene combinations make a good pair so how possible is that and in this case it's not impossible, right? It's not. Now, the big thing that this show is going to miss, and that's, that's what the thing that I'm going to say is like, the premise is awesome. And by the way, the show's really good. I thought the show was great. I actually am really surprised by all the negative reviews of people. Um, I thought it was fine, and the book's really cool too. Um, so we'll kind of discuss some of the things that I thought were really good principles, and then I think what would happen in reality if we tried this. So the story starts with a couple scientists and they basically figure out that there's a set of genes that they have certain variations and certain variant combinations fit better as mated pairs together. And the idea is that they eventually sell this principle, get a lot of people sequencing, and ultimately come out with a product that when you sequence yourself, it sends you contact info for the person that has the best matching sequence to be a mated pair basically. So it's definitely different. And as you can imagine, this causes a lot of issues in the show for people that are married and then take this test. And it's like, well, I guess you're not my one type stuff. And it gets, it gets a little crazy to say the least. So in terms of what the blueprint can provide us, what the genetic blueprint can provide us, that's the huge question of the show. It can provide a lot. Weakness number one, though, all you got to do is look at genetic twins, right? Identical twins. The show sort of addresses this, um, you'll see at the end, but how would those individuals who share the same genetic blueprint genome, how in the world would they actually get matched with anybody but the same person, right? And would your one match, if it was one of them, it would have to be both of them, right? So the blueprint always isn't the entire story, and identical twins do the best job showing that. We've talked a little bit on this podcast about epigenetics and the fact that how you use the genome is really what matters. And that's where a lot of genetics is going right now. The pattern of turning genes on and off, the pattern of dosage and how high or low a certain gene can be. Oh, shoot, the dog's barking. Bad dog. Well, good dog, but still. Um, and when the timing of these genes is going to go on, things like that. I know, it's like having, it's like having children, but so much, so much bigger. You're okay. You shush, it's okay. He's fine. Nobody can hear him anyway because he's the window's closed, so it's okay. 
So back to the idea of the identical twins that would take this test. The test is not going to be able to elaborate enough on the epigenetic differences between them because their blueprints are the same, how they use the blueprints and what triggering events in the environment have caused those identical twins to become a little bit different can't be accounted for by sequencing, right? There are certain ways that we can look at the on and off patterns of certain genes, but I don't think the show goes into that quite so much. The main thing of the show, I think they do end up actually targeting a couple genes specifically and kind of talking about them in the show mechanistically, which means that some of the gene variants that they talk about, they actually go into why they work. And the why they work has to do with pheromones, and pheromones are how, in a lot of cases, ants communicate with each other. Pheromones in humans are still highly debated to the point that it's more of a hypothesis than a theory. We don't have what it takes to basically confirm that that same setup works with how, you know, with uh, sensory receptors and those signals that would match up. The main mechanistic goal and selling point of the one system is that those are the genes that it's kind of targeting and saying, these receptors we can find combinations of that are going to fit you perfectly with somebody with a different combination of receptors that happens to make the best fit. So they also do a good job, though, and I'd, I'd say that more scientifically, they do mention that they are looking at neurotransmitters and genes that control those pathways and see how that matches up as far as disposition of person A to person B, right? That's probably a little more within the science, I'd say. It wouldn't be outlandish that you could, with enough sequencing data, probably zero in on a few genes that, when in combination in person A, mesh really well with a genetic set with person B. Now you'd have to be taking in a lot of psychology, a lot of patient, cl or, you know, patient clinical data, I'm talking like cancer person, and basically make sure you're testing a broad enough population to make those conclusions though. So it's going to get, it would get a little confounding to say the least, but math is a, and math and stats are a great thing when you got big numbers. And, you know, in real life, a 23andMe or an Ancestry, they're starting to get up on those numbers, you know, millions and millions of sequences Maybe not complete genome sequences, but at the same time, like, the data's there and it's getting, getting stronger. So that's another, that's actually another episode, so we'll, we'll cover that. One thing about these, this idea too, though, is the human brain is very unique as far as mammals go. It's very plastic, and what I mean by that is that the human brain has the ability to change into anything, basically. We see this in other animals like raccoons, crows, really smart social animals that can learn something completely new, that can problem solve something completely new. They're not built in with as many genetic instincts that are just going to drive them forward on one to one direction. So with the one, it's not so much that the blueprint would not give us this. It's that, well, and I should actually slow down. The blueprint can definitely give us this. The, the main weakness of the, of the sci-fi in the show, which like, I'm not saying makes it a bad show, is that it probably wouldn't be the one that the algorithm would give you. It'd probably give you probably like 2,000 top people statistically. So it wouldn't have quite the selling point. But at the same time, those stats would narrow down quite a bit, I suppose. Um, but that's the main thing that I'd say would be like kind of the issue, which is you can't, but it's not as good of a selling point when it's like, well, you have a one, but you've also got a thousand others that are really, really close matches. So when you think about it, 7 billion people and you narrow that down genetically to 2,000 people, that's minuscule. But to us, 
2,000 new people would be insane, right? So I think I labeled this part one because I do want to explore this question a little more. And I'll kind of try to do it from the premise that I talked about a little earlier, which is if we had tons of data from something like 23andMe or you know one of these big genetic databases, and we decided to start using it and kind of mathematically pinpointing certain behaviors, certain algorithms, things like that, it will not be impossible to at least zero in on associations more strongly than we've ever done before. But one of the biggest things that I tell my students is that that certainty has to be tempered. You know, you have to make sure that what you're measuring is confined to an experiment. And technically, when we see associations with behavior with groups of genes, we haven't put them in an A versus a B experiment yet. Technically, that's what you have to do to confirm that mechanistically. But associations are a big building point. The main thing that I also wanted to cover was, well, I guess kind of the, the, you know, the other thing the show does really well is that the invasion of privacy is that some people do this test and then others don't. And it's like, hey, like, I'm here to upend your life. You're my one, even though you haven't like sequenced yet or you haven't like opened the app yet and stuff. So it's definitely a little crazy. But I thought this would be a fun part one to go into and kind of talk about this show because it is really fun. And like I said, definitely watch it if you have the chance. Um, I've heard that Osmosis on Netflix is a good follow-up. It's a little uh, it's a little more grim, I've heard. But at the same time, I definitely, I definitely like this one. So this is a definitely a short episode and it's been a while, but I'm hoping to follow it up with, um, with a bigger discussion on what this would look like in kind of in a real context. So I hope you enjoyed and definitely shoot me any questions that you have or if you've seen it or have anything that you wanted to wanted me to address and we'll see you next time.